episode is brought to you by Squash Clothing and Sugar Life. Welcome to the Overly Excited Podcast, hosted by Jack Watts and Dale Sidebottom. Two friends with a passion for life, learning... And all things that get them jumping out of their seats. <laughs> well, 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 Mr. Sidebottom. <laughs> episode three of the Overly Excited... Overly Excitable po- Podcast? Overly Excited? Yeah, Overly Excited, mate. Um... I get a chance to uh, to interview interview you, and I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I'm not going to lie, slightly nervous. Um, I haven't really done this before, sort of, you know, put, having some questions down and delving a bit deeper into someone's life and ask, being the one to ask the questions. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've had plenty of people ask me <laughs> questions, but shoes on the other foot, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but yeah, pumped, and, and especially after the last episode, I got, I don't know about you, but I had plenty of feedback, and um, you know, it's it's pretty special to sort of, it, how it's connected me with some people that I probably had lost touch with, or um, you know, it, it opens up a conversation, doesn't it, when you open yourself up a little bit. It does, and I suppose you've shared your story before, but when you're doing it on your own platform, mm. I suppose, and I don't know, we're both going to be quite vulnerable and share because I think that's how people learn, but I'll totally agree. It's been, uh, yeah, I've, I've podcast for six years now. I've done over four or 500, and this new format, uh, it's, I don't know, different people have reached out to me and said how much they've really enjoyed it, mm. um, and we're only just starting. So for the people, yeah, firstly, that have taken the time to reach out because it's very easy just to often think, Oh, I love what they're doing, but to actually let people know. Yeah, um, it's... yeah it was awesome to actually, when you hear these things and it's you like, I've really appreciated the, because I know how many times if I listen to something, you know, it's easy to have it, have the thought in your head, but not actually take that extra step to yeah. send a message. So we appreciate it greatly. Yeah, we do. And I'm looking forward, Dale, to getting to know you a little bit deeper than <laughs> just the, you know, the BFT 6am <laughs> chats that we have or, or, you know, the, the odd coffee here and there. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Let's get into it. Dale Sybottom, the kid from Shep. Um, take us through, I guess, like, you know, start with your upbringing, your family life, um, you know, those early years, which can be so formative in, you know, who you become and the person you sort of become, I think. Yeah. Take us through. 3630, postcode of Shepherd. Oh. What a place to be. Now, I, I've spoken to these before, like... Love growing up in the country. Um, I was very, very fortunate. I've got a loving mum and dad, um, two younger sisters. Um, we're all really close still. And I know you mentioned that with your family. And uh, I look at my mum and dad's family and there's splits and people don't talk and there's all these things going on. And um, I don't think we'll ever be like that. Um, yeah, but it's funny. My two sisters have just had twins and a baby and Mum supporting him and dad. We've seen a different side of them all. Um, mm. So as life grows up, it's been really good. But growing up, um, yeah, I had really, really good childhood. I'd say wasn't it wasn't always the easiest. Um, dad, like we were, we were quite poor. Um, dad had to work seven days a week, um, and three kids were all pretty close in age. So mum was essentially bringing us all up and. Oh, I'm sorry to take my hat off to her now. I've got two boys and I'm bringing them up with my wife, Fred. <laughs> We're nearly home every single day and I'm finding it so hard. And yeah. mum just did everything. And um, yeah, so that was really fortunate. Uh, Dad only knew one way. He only knew how to work. And um, I know I shared a podcast with you that I did with my dad that, yeah, like we've had our differences over the years. And um, really, 
don't want to talk about suicide or anything, but when dad was 13, his uh, father committed suicide. Um, and that's one thing about suicide I'll talk about a bit, that it's not just the family of the, the siblings that it affects, it's generations after generations. And I've seen the impact that's had on, you know, dad's brothers and sisters, the whole family, um, and also our family. Um, dad's been trying to deal with that and do the best he can, and he's done a great job. But sort of like he... I, he just didn't know how to deal with it. And, mm. and his only way to deal with things was to work, to work hard. And very grateful because he made a great life for us. Um, I've been very fortunate afterwards, you know, that anything I've ever wanted, mum um, and dad have been super supportive. Uh, and yes, yeah, so I suppose growing up, I've gone off on a bit of a track there. <laughs> just so, quickly on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I love that you, you shared that podcast with me. And, and it, I know you say like your dad, you know, listening to him on the podcast, he's as country as they come. He <laughs> works. He's obviously just works his ass off, and, yeah. and he's the you know the typical what you would say a farmer um, from Australia. But from what he was saying, like I was so impressed with the work that he's done. What was is he started to speak? To, he's yeah, he's got a, a group, men's that, group, yeah, men's group, yeah, like. I don't associate you know farmers from Shep to go out and sort of seek that, yeah. Did you have any influence on that, or did that come all from him? Nah, that's dealing with obviously, his, yeah, his father. Yeah, so obviously, um, like I've used alcohol a lot to suppress things, mm. and and Dad has as well. Um, and one thing, I've never really understood the men's group side of things, but he's done it for twenty six years now. Him wow. and Dale Ryan Shepherdon, and they run it free every single time. They pay for everything, um, and. The, it's pretty amazing how many lives they've changed. I think they've changed over 300 people's lives and yeah. the amount of people they've stopped from, you know, committing suicide and things like that. It's been really, it's, it's incredible. Mm. Um, I actually, I think two years ago, just before COVID or maybe after, um, they do like this closing ceremony with each group and the previous ones come and um, I had a book launch uh, about six months before that. And one of the rules of this men's group is that you can't miss a session. So dad had a camping trip with them and he couldn't come to my book launch, which I was really pissed off about. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Like, cause I'm like, mate, like I know you're helping all these other people, but you're missing out on so many things because of this. Yeah. So anyway, I'm your son. yeah, I'm you know, his son and, and I was a bit, not selfish, but I understood what he was doing, mm. but I still would have liked him. There. It was a pretty, pretty big thing for me. And, yeah. uh, so Dale, who he runs it with, asked me, can you come and do a session for the 60 to 80 people there and your father won't know? Um, and yeah, I saw, I got to see the impact that dad had had. Mm. Um, and I sort of, I knew what it was, but to be there in the room and have so many grown men hug me yeah. because of the impact my dad had had, um, it's something that I didn't... Uh, it was sort of like dad's way of saying he's tried and he's trying his best and he's still trying. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, as I said, same as you, Jack, I've had a great life. Mm. I haven't had to deal with anything like that. I, I, and I couldn't imagine how it was. He was 13 and the day his father committed suicide, he had to go back and straight on the farm. Mm. He had to leave school at 13 and start working. Mm. Um, it's like what I find amazing is like we all have our stories, don't you? And oh. and you don't know, you know, like obviously you're not going to meet some random person and go, oh, tell me the heaviest stuff in your whole life. Like yep. it's not how it works. But when you do get that little insight into people's lives, it 
it opens up a whole new avenue of understanding them and understanding that why they are the way they are and you know like I can't imagine working on a farm you know seven days a week working my ass off as a kid and then my dad you know like part committing suicide and the effect that would have on me and then having my own family you know like yeah and so we all look at our parents and we go they should be these perfect people like and oh they did this to me and that's fucked me up and you know like shame on them it's like as i've gotten older and i'm sure you've probably done the same like you get that appreciation of um of you know like life's hard for everyone including our parents and the things that they went through have shaped them and they've done their best with us and and you know like so yeah it's it's um that story about your your dad was pretty amazing but what why do you think your family like what are some of the traits that have kept you being so close with both your sisters your two younger sisters and your parents uh i'd say mum uh she's I don't know, she put up with a lot, you know, dad would just work and drink and he'd shut off and we wouldn't deal with things. And these are the, and I suppose early days, I'd see the fights and the the hard times and things like that. And I, you didn't see anything else. Yeah. Um, and I take my hat off to mum because the reason we are what we are now and the reason I am the person I am in so many aspects is because of her. Yeah. Um, and I still see it now with both of them. And... Like, you see such a different side to your mum and dad when you have kids of your own. Yeah. And I'm seeing now that dad, he can actually... Like, he didn't do a thing with us growing up. Yeah. Like, and and I'm, I'm aware of that, and mum says it too. And seeing him now, like, he's got no idea, but he just loves it. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's sort of like he's getting another chance to do it, and I'm living through that. Yeah. Um, and so that's been really nice. And I think the more you sit back and reflect on different things... Um, you can, if you want to find a negative, you can, if you want to find a positive, you can. Um, and one of the biggest things I found was (sighs) growing up, I like, I'd I'd see, I thought the only way to be successful was by working really hard and, you know, having people accolades of you or being good at sport or owning businesses and making money. Um, and one thing I found was... (laughs) I, I was never, I couldn't sit still. I was yeah. never happy with the person yeah. I was. So I just kept, kept finding things to be busier and busier and busier. Um, and what I've realized was, is that's exactly what my dad did. Yeah. And I was just a chip off the old block. Um, and for a long time, I didn't take ownership of that. And I blamed dad. Mm. Um, and I remember, you know, in my 20s, when I got back from London, I lived over there for three years that I sent, like I didn't speak to dad for a year because I was blaming him for all these issues that I was having, yeah. but I didn't want to own them. Yeah. Um, so was, yeah, like, yeah, I, we'll probably go into that a little bit more, but mm. it's, um, yeah, I, you can blame anyone as much as you want. Mm. Um, but now I look back at everything and yeah, to c- circle back around, Jack, and I'll let you go on in a minute, but growing up in Shepparton, played cricket and football at amazing clubs, um, the community aspect. I still go back there now and you know people, everyone knows you. Um, and I suppose it's sort of what I really like about where we live now down Bayside. I know all my neighbours. Um, mm. it, it sort of feels like that. You're part of something, part of a community. Yeah. People actually care about you. Um, and you, yeah, clearly, like just from the time knowing you, that's what you thrive on. Oh, big time. You, you love yeah. that community yeah. feeling. You love, you know, like I, I had written down here, it's like, 
Um, and this is where I think we are quite different in a way. It's like, I just see you as an absolute go-getter. Like, you'll action first, get things done. You know, whereas I, like, even this tonight, I was so stressed about getting prepared and having to, am I, is it going to be good? And shit, what if it's shit? And whereas I feel like you just get things done. Yeah. Um, do you think that is a, I, I guess it's a real strength of yours in my eyes. Do you think that's part of, you know, your dad work, 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 and what you see successful is being busy and having businesses. And um, obviously it's created something really good in your life. Yeah. But I guess at the same time, it's caused some havoc too, just in terms of... It, it it's, yeah, well, it caused a lot of big issues. Mm. Um, but those big issues now have, I've been able to, to like, transform my life. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm very grateful for those what I thought was important, I thought materialistic items, mm. status, I thought that was that would make me happy. Yeah. Um, but what I found, Jack, was that I didn't love the person that I saw in the mirror. Like, and, and so I would either just be flat out all week and then on Saturday night I'd go and write myself off with alcohol. Sunday would be a write-off, I'd sleep, I wouldn't have to think, and then I'd start again on Monday. Mm. Um, and you can only do that for so long. And... Um, that wasn't my definition of happiness, you know, and I'd be like, all right, I'll be happy when I get this, when I get that, when I get a new car, promotion, buy a house, all these things. And when you delay gratification, you're never present. My head was never in the room. I was always somewhere else. Um, and, and for that reason, I just, yeah, I, I, my definition of what would make me happy was so skew if it was nowhere near it, mate. And what, if you could say it now, what's yeah. your de definition of happiness? And because I find ha everyone's searching for happiness, but it's such a broad term, isn't it? And yep. it's bloody difficult to f find. And I, in my own life, I've found like I can get it for fleeting moments and you can get it for a period of time and then it goes. And I sort of feel like it's a bit of a constant journey. But what, it, in your words, like what, because you do a lot of work in this space, you've obviously probably studied it a fair bit and, and analysed it, what have you found? I've found that you need to be present. Like, mm. the past, you can't change it, it's done, and the future may never happen. And unfortunately, when I thought I was trying to be happy, I was living in the future. So you end up missing out on everything in the present. And you can only do that so long. So happiness, it's such a broad term. But for me, happiness is everything I do, I try and enjoy and I try and be present with who I'm with and what I'm doing. Um, yeah. And obviously I'm very fortunate now that I've chased my dreams and I get to do each day the one thing that I love doing most. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I went through a really shit period in my life because I prioritize that. But now I look at that and because I've worked on myself and now I'm happy and I'm happy with what I'm doing, yeah. and I'm a happy person, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I, this work-life balance people talk about is absolute bullshit. Mm. There's no such thing as work-life balance. It's life. You've got to have a balance in life. If your work is not fulfilling you, but then your weekend is or whatever, mm. you've got to have it so you enjoy whatever you do. Yeah. and Or find ways to make it so you do enjoy what you do, because no one's going to do that for you, mate. Yeah. And that's, people People want this magic pill. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I want to be happy. Yeah, la-di-da. It doesn't work like that. It's funny. Like, I think you, um, on your TED talk, you, there was something, I can't remember the analogy you made, but you said you don't just wake up one day and something else. 
that's like similar to happiness. You've got to work at it daily. And I, I think that is so key. Like, um, you know, it's, it doesn't just happen, does it? Like you've got to work out, okay, what do I enjoy? What are the things that I do in my life that a lot of the time, they're not the things you want to do. They're not the easy things. They're not the, you know, it doesn't just happen. You've got to get out of bed and go and work out at 6am and then you've got to, you know, be mindful and reach out to your friends and it's hard to do, but yeah. they're the things that bring you real joy, you know? And I thought that was such a good point that you made. It's like, you have to work at it. Yeah, constantly. I, I think the like I finish all my um, keynotes with three things. Number one, your health and happiness are your own responsibility. That's probably the most simple and plain thing anyone could ever tell you. Why? Mm. Because no one's going to do anything for you. Mm. We know what makes us happy. We mm. know what we need to do. Like you just said, mm. you know, doing moving your body, getting up, staying connected, mm. doing all these things. But it sometimes. We know it, but it's easy not to do it. It's reminding yourself. It's Always. like keeping it front of mind. It's yep. easy to, when you're really motivated for a bit of, t- like that's what I find. Like when I'm motivated, it's like, oh, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat all the right foods. But it's so easy to sort of fall off that that mindset yep. and fall into a bit of a rut of, you know, eating shit and, yeah. you know, oh, won't work out today or whatever it might be. Um and that's, I reckon that's like the God, the people that really have worked it out. It's like they're so consistent in doing those things that that make them feel good and feel happy. And I'd, I'd say they're consistent, but when they do fall off the wagon, they go easy on themselves. Mm. And I, I think this is one thing I try and tell people all the time and from past experiences. The way I used to speak to myself mm. was absolutely deplorable, mate. Mm. I would never, ever say that to anyone. Even if it was, I don't really hate anyone, but if I did, I wouldn't even say it to them. The way we speak to ourselves. Just how it, hard you were on yourself? Or? Oh, just how I'd put myself down. Mm. I'd be so critical on everything I do. Yeah. You know, and pff, there's only so long you can do that before you actually start to think that. Mm. Geez, am I shit at this? Am I a really bad person? Mm. Oh, I'm no good at that. You know, like if you can't be positive and talk up yourself yeah. or be kind to yourself, we talk about kindness. Mm. Yes, yeah, great. But you can't be kind to someone unless you're authentically kind to yourself first. Um, and I think that's exactly what it comes back to that no one is going to have the perfect diet or the perfect life all the time. We are allowed to make mistakes, but it's recognizing that and moving on. Mm. And I think when it comes to happiness or whatever, whatever you want to label it, that's what it comes down to. Mm. You know, like if you do something that doesn't fulfill you or whatever, that's okay. That's gone. Like I said, that's a past. What are you going to do in the future to make sure that the next part that doesn't happen? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's a really big thing that people are so critical on things they've done to themselves or mistakes that they've made that they get caught up in that and it actually hampers what they do in the future to help themselves. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, from personal experience, mate, that's exactly what I was. I'd reflect on all these negatives and then I was just thinking about things that would make it better in the future. Mm. Hey, where's that present? I think Ted Lesso said <laughs> being present, it's a gift. Of yeah. course it is. Yeah. It's a gift for you and the people you're around. And especially when those things that you think are going to improve it are material things that vanish in, you know, after the first minute of buying them, you know. Well, you've, you've got it. And by the time you've got it, you're already thinking, what's the what's next thing? Yeah. You know, you're like on a hamster wheel. I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. I'll be like, yeah. You're never happy because yeah. you're never present. Well, talking good little segue to something that does bring you a lot of happiness, your beautiful partner, Breezer. Yep. Your two kids. Um, tell us about how you and Breezer met. How did that all come about? Your kids. Give us the rundown. 
Well, we had intercourse to have the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I was more talking about how you met. Yeah, so... Sorry, uh, but you <laughs> straight to it. Um, so, Bree swipe right and I swipe right too. Say goodnight, Titnerella. Beautiful. Um, to, do you know what? It actually... Um, I was very persistent. Yeah. Um, I think... I no messaged, surprise there. Yeah. yeah, no. But I don't know, like, don't know why. Like, she gave me nothing, and it probably just hooked me in more. Yeah. Um, so I messaged her, and she sort of bit back, and she was she's very busy with her job. Obviously, she's on maternity leave at the moment, but she was really busy, career-orientated, doing really good things, and I was like, oh, surely she's still got time for a date with me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, about, I messaged her, and about two months later, I started another conversation, and... Like, she goes, I'm busy. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really tough going. Uh, and I'll try it again. And um, I was actually playing footy with a few mates. This is my last season. I played footy um, in Lake Bolac. So it was like an hour past Ballarat. So, Oof. yeah, so I'd like to, I was running a from bit. Here, from down here? So I'd run, I'd like during the week, I'd teach and I was running a, a fitness company all over Melbourne. So I'd, I'd do PT and boot camps in the morning, teach all day, again at night. And then on Saturday mornings, I'd run a boot camp, do three PT sessions. The coach and the other three players from Melbourne, five of us were going down each week. Getting the cards, a four-hour drive, and that was for a home game. <laughs> anyway, I wasn't, as you can imagine, I wasn't training, and it wasn't the best standard footy, but it was the best community. And probably, remember when you were saying, you know, under-16s or... Yeah, school footy. Yeah, and this was, um, and I was thinking about it the other day, from school footy to my all my career in sport, because I... I'd chase money to play. You know, I thought I could make money doing this. Yeah. This last year, when I was at Lake Bolac, I... Didn't ask for any money, and I absolutely loved it. I was driving all that way for nothing. Anyway, because I wasn't training, I got injured, I did my shoulder. So I had a few spare weekends. So anyway, got Breeze up, went down, <laughs> went down Chapel Street, um, took her out, had a wonderful night. and uh, Put on a show for Put Breza. on a show, and uh, I turned up a little bit late. Oh. <laughs> That's unlike me. I'm very early, very punctual. So, you are, right? Yeah, so um, that was uh, that was the last date I went on. And, uh, yeah, now I've got uh, two beautiful boys, Sonny and Banjo, two and a half and eight months. Um, oh, amazing. I'm so grateful. Um, one of the things I do think about all the time is how important my role is as a dad, that it's not just me now and mm. I've got to bring these boys up and I, I hope I do a good job and I constantly think about that. Um I'm finding it really tough at the moment, I'll be honest, with my two-and-a-half-year-old. Yeah, and it's, I, I don't know, different things. And we always get challenged. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm very grateful. I know how hard it is for some people to have kids and everything like that. And um, I'm very, we're very fortunate that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I just want to give them the best possible life and be the best role model I can. I think that's my role in life now. Nothing else to me. Everything else is a side project. Um, they're my main focus. And then I guess just not putting too much pressure on yourself because you're an incredible dad, I'm sure. And you, you know, it's um, you're probably looking back on what you went through and your upbringing. You just want to make sure you give them the best. But you are an incredible human being, Thanks, and I'm sure they've got a great role model. So Thanks, mate. Go easy on yourself. Take some <laughs> of your own advice. Oh, no. On that topic, I guess, of resilience, we spoke about that a fair bit in my when you interviewed me, but are there any sort of moments in your life that really stick out um, for you that you look back on and you say, geez, I was 
you know, that was pretty tough and, and I got through it and it gives you confidence sort of going forward. Yeah, oh, 100%. So as, as I said, probably from when I left high school to 30, um, you know, that 10-year period, I, I probably wasn't the nicest person. Um, and, yeah, my TED Talk called Narcissistic to Nice. It's funny for me when I listen to that because I just can't imagine yeah. you being, you know, like... The thing, the thing with that is people go that you weren't all the time. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't matter. Really. Like, I was, you know, and that that person I was, as good as you know, 98% of the time I mm. was, like those 2% where, you know, I wouldn't feel good about myself, so I'd put other people down mm. to make myself feel good. And I'd, I'd do this to um, my ex-wife and my best mates. Mm. You know, I'm not doing it to randoms. I'm just doing it to the people closest to me. Mm. And that's something I've got to live with the rest of my life. Um, and I'm constantly working at it. When when I was 30, um, yeah, I went through a pretty bad divorce. I had nowhere to live. Um, I was so shamed and embarrassed that I'd failed mm. because I was so worried about what people thought of what me. Thought. And that's when I just wasn't happy with the person I was. And it's as I said, that's when I was playing footy and I was working and I had a million jobs and starting businesses because staying busy was a way... that was sitting there with yourself. 100%. And... I, I literally couldn't sit still mm. and I literally burn out, hit rock bottom. Um, and I remember at the time, as I said, I was doing, still working, all that, but um, I'd go back to Shepparton where I used to... I grew up and I'd play cricket and I played with one of my lifelong friends and... I'd play Saturday and then Sunday I'd do a two-hour um, psychology session with uh, a, a Pat O'Connell, someone I knew well. I did that for 16 weeks straight. Um, it was very, very hard, mm. but I knew that this couldn't keep going on. Mm, you um, needed to I'd, I'd, no one, it wasn't anyone else's fault. This was things that you know I needed to change for myself, mm. um, and I did. And hence, the person I am today is a completely different person because now I'm really happy with who I am. Mm. I'm not flat out all the time. I allow, I'm kind to myself, I'm kind to other people. Um, I might, every now and then, I might, you know, have a little bit of something, but I pull myself up on them and, and I know what it is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, hopefully people don't have to go through what I went through. And I, and I wish I was aware enough or could own up to the issues I had without, you know, upsetting and hurting people like I did. Mm. Um, I think like going through something like that though, it is, you know, those most painful moments of what sort of actually produces change. Like if you didn't go through that or if you kept, you know, the divorce or the realization that you're hurting your friends or something, do you really make as much of a change as what you have? You know, like as painful as it is, like people do have to hit that rock bottom. Like everything I read and listen to these days, it's like you hit rock bottom and everyone's rock bottom's different. People can sort of absorb or, you know, endure more pain and more suffering than others, but like everyone's rock bottom's different, but you got to hit that to actually create some positive change. Yeah, it's, it, and you know what? It's true. It's just unfortunate mm. that, yeah. that like change comes from, you know, a really bad situation or, you know, mm. a lot of people that, have a horrific accident or something, they're actually happier afterwards. Mm. Like, and it doesn't make sense, but it does mm. if you've sort of gone through it. And it's, I speak to a lot of people too. And, you know, the ones that are speaking or doing things by, most people have got a story mm. and it's something like that. Um, and I suppose at the end of the day, it's how you bounce back 
from that and if you do want to change yeah um yeah so yeah it's that's the person i am now today i suppose because of my experiences um did you ever speak to any of your best mates or any you know like about it or about no 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 not not at uh not at the time and i remember like when i moved out like from um where i was living um i I had nowhere to go mm. and I didn't want to tell any of my close friends because I said I was so embarrassed mm. that I'd failed. Like I'd failed something. Like I'd only been married for a couple of years um, yeah. and uh, I was so ashamed. And I, luckily uh, my cousin and his beautiful partner, Alicia, lived, you know, close by and I had a big house and I had a spare room. And I remember ringing him up and saying, do you mind if I just stay for a couple of weeks? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, no worries. And I, 11 months Couple later, months I, went, <laughs> I think they're nearly ready to call the police. So. Hey, what a family. Oh, family no. more, you know? oh, so I'm very grateful for that. And yeah. it's, again, having lovely family and things like that. I'm very, yeah. But yeah, it's, um, that, yeah. I think that was one of the biggest things for me that I, I wasn't in a state or place then to understand how important it was to talk to people about mm. things. Whereas now I'm very open and yeah. I'll explain how I'm feeling or different things like that. Like for example, during one of those lockdowns, like I, I speak on stages. I need a, I need people in a room, Jack. My business, like when I had a six-month world tour planned, I'd planned for a year. Within a day, it was gone. And I'm looking around going, what am I going to do? And people are like, reinvent yourself, do things. Anyway, I had a huge breakdown, you know, because I remember walking my son and I just couldn't stop crying, like tears, but I wasn't crying and, uh, like it debilitated me and what I found I, I spoke to my psychologist again but I would speak to my friends about that and I shared that with them yeah. and I share that with people yeah. and that's the difference now that you, once you start talking about it it um, it takes the load off doesn't it uh, once you get it off your shoulders and you, you get it out there in the world and you, you've got the people that care about you most that are there to help you and guide you through it and yeah. even just be a support network and you know, and once you, I, I've found like I've spoken to a psych since I was, you know, nineteen. And it's not a, it's, it's actually a really positive thing to do. Such a positive yeah. thing, and why, why it's ever been seen any differently, I don't really understand. It's you know the big macho men like yeah. we can't do that. Like I get it, but it's like, get over it. You know, it's like. Um, I don't know, I just found speaking to someone, you know, and friends are great, obviously, but also someone with no preconceived ideas of, yeah. of who you're talking about or what's... Because you speak to your mates and you're talking about one of your other mates and they know him and they yeah. know her and, they know, yeah. and they've got their own ideas. But, um, yeah, so helpful to, to just get it out and get it off your chest, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And I think the moment that you can own it mm. and share it, um, things change for me when... And I actually invited uh, my parents to this. I, it was the first ever like big keynote I did for a conference. It was in Tasmania and I flew mum and dad over and there was 200 people in the auditorium or whatever. And I shared that story and I'd never shared it with anyone. Um, and mum and dad were in the front row, which made me feel really proud just to show them where I'd come and it was their support that had really helped me. Yeah. Um, but once I shared that story and I got four messages straight away from people in the room um, that had gone through similar things mm. and because I shared it, it they, they felt that they could then too. Yeah, it's um, amazing. That's su such a good it, point. Oh, just... Because we all think that we're oh, the only one yes. that has gone through this or yep. we're, the pe we're the only piece of shit 
that is such a low life that would have done something like this. And that's what everyone thinks until you hear someone else open up and be honest about what they've done. Yeah. Because we all we all try and act to everyone else like we're this perfect person and we've got this perfect life and I've never done any it's like fuck that like everyone's <laughs> flawed in yeah. one way or another and yeah. and once you get yeah once you hear that from other people and, and I've found the same thing you know opening up on podcasts the amount of people that write in saying it was so refreshing to hear you say that I've been I've done I did exactly the same thing you know I did this and I did that yeah it um it just yeah vulnerability brings people together i think well like brene brown like it's actually Mm. a superpower Mm. you know whereas i looked at it as a real negative for a long time time, because like you said you have to be macho man you have Mm. to be strong you have to be brave you couldn't let anyone lead on i was tough i was all these things um and from that day once i started sharing it like like what you did like you know when you let it all out on a podcast Mm. and it's actually helps other people, but it actually helps you more. Yeah, like right. yeah. it's it's in a, it's such a selfish thing in a way. Yeah. Because you're helping other people, but that is just exactly what you need. Yeah. And when you do it once, the next time's easier yeah. and easier and easier. What about like they're they're very tough. I find they're tough um, conversations to start mm-hmm. with your friends or with family or with whoever it might be. Like, have you found any tools or any ways of sort of getting that conversation started to, you know, just break down a little bit of the, hey, how's you, how you going, how's work, you know, um, anything that sort of you've found can open people up a bit and enable that environment, I guess. It's uh, starting with a good question. Mm. So how are you? How are you going? That's a shit question. Oh, good. Like it's, it's like, you know, how's your weekend? Good. Mm. Oh, how's work? Good. You need to go deeper. Um, One thing I've found, particularly when you weren't around people, um, is there's a couple of things I would do. I would send a message at the start of the day. And I did this particularly over lockdown. um, And I I still do it every now and then. I probably, like what we said, you know, should be better, Jago, should be better. Um, But I would send a mate a message and say, hey, I'm going to send you three emojis um, at the end of the day. And they are emojis of explaining how I'm feeling and different things going on in my life. And I'll explain those to you. Um, I'd love for you to do a similar thing. If we could mm. send them about three or four o'clock. What you do then is the emojis is a delivery tool to go deeper. Mm. It breaks that surface level from just how are you? Um, and what I've found by doing those things that people really share. Yep. You know, and emojis mean different things to different people, Jack. So... It's a really simple little thing to do. Yeah, and everyone wants to share. They do. Everyone wants to. Yep. Some, you know, obviously not. It's, and that's the hard thing I find. Like you don't want to force or yeah. pry. Yeah. It's and and that's that sort of really fine balance of, look, I'm I'm here and I'd love I'm here if you want to talk or I, or if you need to open up yourself, you know, like, um, and I, I've found that the best way is to start by you know yourself sort of being a yeah. bit more vulnerable and. and opening up and going a bit deeper yourself, which then offers, you know, the floor to, to other people. But it, um, and, and it does. One thing I've found as well, particularly if you're not face-to-face, um, text message is a really good way to start. Mm-hmm. And then what I do is once they send back those emojis, and a lot of times people go write mm-hmm. a lot about each one, then you've got talking points yeah. and you've got something to prod them 
instead of just the typical question, how are you? Like, yeah. you've got to change the narrative, I feel. Yeah. Um, and something like that does that. So it gets them thinking. Yeah, it like does. They've got to actually, you know, well, it's fun think too. about Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, t- speaking of fun, your sugar life. Yes. Um, talk to me about where this came from. I love, I love watching you. I love listening to. You. I love being around you. Your energy, your vibrancy. Have you always had that? Is that you from when you're a kid? Is it something that you that hit you at a certain stage of life and you wanted to focus on on it? Give us the rundown on this. Yeah, it's business. it's been probably a big thing coming and combination of 10 businesses before or something that sort of led to that. Um, and essentially, it was really a combination of everything I went through when I got divorced and worked on myself. Um, and I figured out the, there were certain things that I needed to do each day for myself to be the best possible version. Um, and one of those is play, you know. Yeah any form of play, it doesn't matter who with. Um, as I said before, I'm very fortunate, I've got two kids, I can play all day. But the one thing I found, and what I see a lot in adults, Jack, is that we're too busy, mm-hmm. life's too serious, I don't have time to play. You know, and we don't allow that time, it only has to be five or 10 minutes. Um, and we're all too scared to be, you know, look vulnerable silly, again. look silly, yes. or do something, oh, I better yeah. not say something silly. Or, yeah. and, and I think that's the big thing, I like, I. Unfortunately, people go, can you do team building or icebreakers? I hate those because everyone, <laughs> everyone has had horrible experiences with them. You know, particularly an icebreaker, you're in a large room. Oh, let's go around a circle and share something about the limelight's on one person. You're talking, I'm so nervous. That's an ice maker. It actually does the opposite of what they're trying <laughs> to do. 100%. Uh, and that's, so now I've got these play-based routines that gradually take people on a journey there's no winners or losers the limelight isn't on one person and by the end of it i get people really really deep and it's been a combination of you know i was a i was a high school and primary school teacher for over 10 years um i run a fitness business for seven years or at least 35 mobile apps around games and play um and it's sort of a combination now that i've found a way to do it to use play to exercise practice gratitude and giving in a really fun way and um when you can find that yourself um it actually helps all areas of your life and um yeah particularly i do a lot of sessions with kids but more of the work i'm doing now is with adults because people don't know what they want until they actually get it yeah and i get people oh we don't want that we don't do what you do i'm like yeah sure you don't that's cool and by the end of it they're like wow you know, that's... And especially you do a fair bit with teachers too. Yeah. And, and I love that idea of, you know, these teachers have such a big impact on these young kids coming through. Yeah. And to incorporate a little bit of that fun and, you know, free loving attitude and, you know, just a bit more excitement than... Cause I can remember when I was in primary school, it's like the last thing I want to do is go into history class and sit there and <laughs> write notes, you know. It's like, just get me outside. I want to jump around and be an idiot. Um so, yeah, teachers would be a big one as well, I'd imagine. Yeah, teachers and um, a lot more on corporates now. Yep. I'm finding if uh, COVID's been a positive, in an, like a, it wasn't at the time, but now it is because I get people connecting and building those relationships in a really fun way. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's actually really exciting. One of the biggest things I've had problems with is, oh, so what's the data? You know, people, I've got all the resources, I've got 
testimonials. I've got everything you need. Mm. But Jack Pillow said, "What's numbers? Where's the numbers?" And I'm like, oh, you just need to come and feel it." And that's not good enough. Feel like, yeah, whatever, mm. mate. You're not a hippie. Yeah. Um, so I've signed a big deal for the Trobe Uni this year, doing a big research project um, to see the actual impact. So wow. in about four weeks, I'll have some data of what actual intentional play does. Um, so yeah, that's I'm really excited. Things are. Yeah, things are going really well. And the best thing is I get to do the one thing I love. Yeah. I was like you as a kid. I hated sitting still. I was, I was not a very good student. <laughs> not, like, not like you. But I was a good student if teachers knew if how to knew engage how you, you, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and that was through games and play and yeah. fun. And that's how people remember. Yeah. So if a teacher was able to do that, I was a good student. Otherwise, if I was sitting down, oh, I, would been, I would have been horrific. <laughs> and I would have felt sorry for the teacher and all the rest of the kids in that class. <laughs> oh. if it was Quite time for with oh, Dale. Oh, Dale's here. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, growing up or, or just along your, you know, throughout the journey of your life, are there, do you have one, two, three um, people who you look back back at as real positive influences on your life and, and, and why and, and what did they do to sort of help you out throughout, throughout your life? Yeah, I'll probably... Um and I know you speak about having mentors and, and you still stay in contact with them. And um, I've probably had sets of people over different periods in my life that I've really needed. Um, when I was at high school, I had two PE teachers, um, Barry Simmons and um, Graham Waite, that were just amazing. You know, like they they were so good. Mm. You know, I loved everything. That's why I wanted to be, that's why I become a PE teacher mm. because I wanted to have the same impact that those two had on me to other kids. Yep. Like I saw that and how profound that was. Um, then also um, when I was I was playing cricket in Shepparton um, and playing seniors quite young, I, I think I was only, I reckon I only used to get a game because I was very good on the left <laughs> jump. <laughs> I used to call me the mouse from South. <laughs> I don't think the I... Was, talk oh, I don't, I was, don't know why I was getting a game, but... Uh, They're putting you under the lid oh, the whole mate, day. Oh, folks just wanted to hit me with the bat. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, a mentor there was so my first ever uh, captain there, Matt Cullen. Um, he just, he, he could see who I was and I wasn't just a mouth and he really encouraged me to keep working on my cricket and um, he's still a really good friend to this day. Um, yeah. And then the last one, it's funny how you stumble on people in your life. As I said, um, running boot camps in Richmond for a number of years, uh, one, this guy rode past one day on a bike and goes, hey, you taking new clients? Said, always, come down. Anyway, come down and um, we started chatting and I always used to see what my client's email was. See, oh yeah, what wonder what the connection is here. Anyway, he's uh, like a, not a corporate coach. He's an, he calls himself an unconsultant where he goes into big corporations and helps them fix things, but then leaves. Yeah. Um, and he was really big into play and his connection side of things. And I'm like, wow, there's so many things here. And I remember reaching out to Brad one day and saying, Brad, I'm happy to train you for free. I'd just love to, you know, catch up every now and then for a coffee and talk to you and pick your brain. He's like, yeah, sure, no worries. I really like your energy. And um, so, yeah, we've been doing that for about six years now. Um, and I catch up with him every week. We've become really good friends. And he's had a huge impact on <laughs> figuring out what I actually do. Mm. You know, I, I was so open-ended. I, I had no, he goes, what do you do? I couldn't even explain it. Um, but he's just articulated everything and uh, we've actually just written a kid's book together. And so like it's when you find someone that you just 
gravitate to and you get along really well. You, you don't know why it happens, but yeah. it does. Yeah. Um, there's obviously been a number of other people, like I said, with my parents and things, but as far as role models that I've needed to have at different periods of my life, um, those four individuals have been really, really impactful for me. Yeah. And I hope they know it. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably a thing you can, you know. Well, I, t- yeah, I do let it know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, how do you not burn out just quietly? <laughs> I, I did a lot, mate. Jeepers, I'll tell you what, I'm getting fatigued just listening to your talk. <laughs> when do you stop? <laughs> no, do you know what? Like, I am so much, I, I don't work that much anymore. Like, yeah. I, when I'm working, I'm working, but um, I've so sort of... you do have a bit of spare time. Heaps of spare time okay. now. Um which is really nice. I've Good sort of you. set my life up so I get to do what I love doing and, and that's helping other people and seeing the impact I can have, but then also helping myself and knowing what I need to do for my family and my responsibility. So I used to burn out all the time, mm. like probably every three or four weeks, I'd have to have a whole day in bed, but then yeah. I'd be right and I'd go again. Yeah. And as I said, I was living this outrageous life. Like yeah. it wasn't not sustainable, it was not healthy. I was such a hypocrite because I'm preaching, preaching to students I was teaching, to people I was training. Um, and then like on a weekend, I'd, I might fly to Dubai and do a, a teaching workshop or something and come back. It was all around play and health and all these things. And I was the most unhealthy person ever. So, yeah. And it's interesting, like people that would have seen you around that, they wouldn't have thought that at all. They, oh, you're happy, you're bubbly, yeah. you're, you're the happiest oh, guy ever. And it's, um, you know, it's interesting what's behind you know the the facade that a lot of us put on to try and seem like we're perfect and we're happy and we're living this great life um i've got two more questions and then a little sort of finisher yeah what do you what do you value in a friend like what what do you find some of the values that you you most respect or need in a friend of yours i it's it's a two-way street um, and that they're always, they're always there for you. Mm-hmm. And I think the older you get your friendships, you, you're still friends with them, but you don't see them. You don't have time. Yeah. Um, so the ones that you do see and talk to are the, are the real quality ones. Um, and for me, I've got a, a lot of different friends, but you know, I've got two or three really, really close friends that, you know, that they would always be there for me. Um, they know everything going on in my life. They stay, they make that regular, it's not just a one-way street with the connection, yeah. you know, yeah. it, that it's both ways. Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably the one thing I find if you're doing all the work, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if you're the same. Like, is because yeah. obviously I'm a little bit older than yeah. you. Like, and, you know, it doesn't matter where you're at in life. The more we grow, the busier we sort of get in a way, or or things consume us. Yeah, I don't know. Do you feel similar? Yeah, to no, definitely. It gets harder and harder. Um, I also think, like, you know, not sort of holding grudges too. Like, if you haven't caught up for a couple of weeks or a month or two months, it's like it's so easy to be like, oh, he's not putting in the effort, <laughs> yeah. or, you know? Like, yeah. so, and I can so, totally see that because I've been in that situation at times. Like, oh, you know, like. He's not. Well, he hasn't come to me. Like I'm always the one asking. But, um, but I I do agree. It's like you have to see that effort coming the other way because if it's not, it's pretty clear, isn't it? I mean, you can't. If you're holding grudges, yeah, you 
that that's only affecting you. Yeah. It's actually not affecting the other person. Yeah. You know, that's that's something you need to look at. Why is this affecting me so much? Exactly. It's like what you, you what you said before. It's like you got to be happy in, within yourself and be kind to yourself before you can be kind to others. And it's so true. Like when you're trying to, you know, pull little people, like pull your friendships apart or find little things that they're doing wrong. It's like clearly there's stuff that's going on in your own life yeah. that you need to try and sort out to you know, to be in that place, to be a friend, because, you know, who knows what they're going through. They might be going through, you know, some something that you've got no idea about that's, you know. Well, it's, you know, that's what we talk about, empathy. Mm. And a lot of the time, if something's upsetting you or someone's frustrating you or something, if you think about that deep enough, if they're a good person you want in your life, the issue's probably underlying something in yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's... You know, it's easy to say that when you're not caught up in it, but yeah. when you're in it, it's a lot harder. But exactly. um, yeah, for me, it's like, and I, my good mates, I don't see hardly ever at the moment because yeah. I never leave the house. I'm like the someone said the other day, I'm like the Olympic torch. I never go out. <laughs> <laughs> like in Athens, where they shot that bow and arrow into it, I'm burning and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> oh. oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And finally, how do you want the, your loved ones and the people that mean the most to you, how would you like them to describe you? That I figured out the person I was wasn't the right person I needed to be um, and I did something about it. Um, and now I show up. I, I'm not selfish. I try and put everything for, particularly my immediate family. Mm. Um, and I... I I want them to know how much I love them. You know, and I tell them all the time, I still kiss my dad, I kiss my mum, like, because I, I love them and I'm so grateful for what they did for me. And I want them to know now that they have raised a really good kid, mm. you know, and a good adult now that I'll pass on everything I learned from them to my family, um, but I'll still give back to mine. So if they think of who I am now, I'd love them to think that, I'm a good son and brother that shows up for them and, um, you know, is there if they need anything. Whereas before, up until 30, I wasn't. I was selfish and it was all about me. It was me, 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 me. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I hopefully they can see how much work I've done to change because that wasn't fair to them. Um, but I've done that because I wanted to change myself. And in a sense, it's really changed the dynamic of our family because... I was, I'm the oldest and I was a piece of shit, yeah. you know, yeah. so now it's completely different and it's, yeah. it's really nice. That's, I, I mean, listening to your podcast with your dad, like I found, like he's as rough as tumble as, <laughs> but he had this soft, like love and he told you, like I, when he spoke about you and, and your sisters and like, what are you most proud of in life? You asked him and he, he just, could, like it was instant, my yeah. kids. And just the love you could hear coming out of his his voice, like was that always there as, nah, a, as no. a kid? But it, no. no, you didn't feel it, but uh, it was he there. Didn't, but... He didn't know how to, he didn't know how to share it. Yeah, and how would you like? Now I look back and I'm like, wow, he, he got everything belted out of him. Mm. Like, how could you show love when you know he probably never got any himself? Yeah, um, and we are a product of our environment. Mm. Um, but he's changed. And for him to be able to say that, and like I said to you doing, I remember we did, that's the last actual podcast I did in this room besides when we started. And as he was walking in, he was crying and I was crying. We hadn't even started mm. just because we knew where it was going to go. 
But it was, yeah, I've listened back. I don't like listening to anything. I, I hate my voice. I know you'll be nice to yourself, and I am, but my voice is I horrible. think that's pretty universal. I, I know honest. it is. I know. But it's like a rusty chainsaw. I didn't even get the gig to read my own audio book. Old Grant, still great. Grant Cartwright got that. Bloody hell, Grant. Lovely voice. Grant Cartwright. Smooth, oh, smooth as Grant. Uh, but, yeah, but hearing things like when Dad says that... Um, he, he may show it in a different way than what I needed or what us kids needed, mm. but he did it in other ways. Yeah. And I can see that now. Mm. And I think that's where we get caught up in different things in life, Jack. And in the moment, it doesn't feel because everyone does things differently. Yeah. But to hear things like that and feel it, yeah. I'm like, wow. And yeah. as I said, I see it now. The love he has for me that's coming through in my boys. Yeah. And it's... Oh, like Especially. I just sit back and it's yeah, it really is. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I had a different I had a different relationship growing up, but that's changed now. Yeah. Um I think any everyone could change, like I've said. Yeah. Um I think that's a great quality is to be able to, you know, pivot and realise that okay, this wasn't working for me, or yeah, I had this view of, of a certain you know, your upbringing or your or your dad or your parents or, or whatever it might be. It's like to be able to grow and sort of mature and get to a stage where you realize okay like i understand why that was the way it was and when when i was you know back then i wasn't able to see it this way and to handle it this way because i didn't have this understanding of whatever it might be you having kids now i'm sure yeah. you have a totally different appreciation for your parents after you have your own kids you oh, know? big time it's, it's like what you mentioned like you know when you started in melbourne and your mum mm. you know and you had to move out yeah you're just like, mum, you're doing my fucking head in. Yeah. You know, but now you're like, wow, mum, uh, how lucky am from. I to have you cared so much that you had eight radios going and six TVs to have every channel. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But at the time, it's the last thing you think because that's not how you view what you need. Yeah. Yeah. But your mum's doing what she thinks. And dad was doing what he knew. Yeah. He hadn't had a role model to show him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I've picked up the great qualities that dad had um, and I've also picked up the things that I don't need to own and I've taken away that I suppose yeah. and that's all you can do in life yeah. like you have the opportunity to be the person whoever you want if you want to blame somebody else for issues mm. you have that is fine but it's only going to affect you yeah. and I did that for a long time um, yeah a lot of it is a choice isn't it, it is. choose to sort of yeah. know, either do something about it or sit there in that spot all right Rapid fire questions. Ooh. Rapid fire. Just a little <laughs> finisher. I think we're nearly we're nearly there, aren't we? Is that Mate, you, you got anything were, else for us? Or? You have uh for someone who, I'm actually, I'm getting goosebumps here, mate, because I'm so excited for when we get another guest. So not just us. Yeah, yeah. This is your first time. That's all. Well, we nervous, but we've pulled hey, it off. We've pulled oh, it off. Brighton Grammar MBA's coming through. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dale, are you ready? I am ready, Jack. Work or play? Uh, play. That's a no-brainer. <laughs> Love or friendship? Oh, I would like both of them together. Um, I think friendship is love. I don't know if I can have both. No, you That's can. probably sitting on the fence. I right? love it. Um, You're a morning person or an evening person? Oh, that's why I battle when uh, we do these night podcasts because I am a morning, man. morning man, mate. <laughs> I've kept you up, have I? It's 8.30 oh. and uh, you're ready for... <laughs> no. uh, the, the I'm going to play basketball tonight oh, no, at 10.15pm. Right. Oh, no. You're a freak. And I'm probably more disappointed that the Ashes started. Oh. That's why... 
I'd be. I was meant to. Talk, I was meant to ask you about that. Actually, that's all right. That session one's underway, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm keeping you from. No, you're right, okay. mate. We better wrap More, this up. No, no, no. <laughs> you keep going, mate. I want to step on your feet. First time, absolutely nailing it. Okay, karaoke song. Go through. You have uh, a few, surely. No, uh, I like Oasis. Don't look back in anger. I love that song. Yeah. Okay, celebrity that annoys you the most. Oh. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot here. You no, can pass. No, no, no. I'm not passing. Um, not annoys me. It's and a wife. whole family. Yeah. Um, my wife Bree <laughs> loves the Kardashians. Kardashians. So, for me, they I just cannot fathom. They've got everything they want in the world. Why do they need to continue doing this show? And why do people care? Mm. And I just look at their kids and I'm like, oh. What like, anyway, I, it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I was hoping Sorry, for. Sorry, Breezer. And I, it, like, this is the one thing that grinds me. Yeah. Why are you watching this? Yeah. And she, it, she goes, it's my thing. It, my, what about, it's like, my the numbing. Love Island stuff? Nah, nah not that. that. Okay. Nah, just the just Kardashian. Kardashian. She's going to hate that I mention this. But that is, <laughs> it's like her mindfulness. You know, she just zones out. So, for me, that grinds me. Oh. This is an interesting one. What, <laughs> what are the three least likely words that Breezer would use to describe you? Least likely. Oh, quiet. <laughs> quiet. <laughs> um, uh, calm. <laughs> uh, and uh, what's the opposite of a Measured. Measured. <laughs> <laughs> Planned. Uh, probably doesn't... Organising. Yeah, no, I'm very organised. Organized. Yeah, no, probably... I just, if I've got an idea, I just do it. I'll yeah. release it. She's like, yeah. but like this podcast, you know, yeah. like, you're like, we'll plan it. We'll get it out. Mate. I was like, no, we're, we're doing, doing it. it. Yeah. And you just make it happen within <laughs> two hours. Sometimes it's... it doesn't work. But what I find is you make things work. It's, it's one of the things like I was so, or it frustrates myself. Is yeah. I get so hung up on like trying to make sure everything's perfect before having a crack, you know, yeah. like, and people probably wouldn't think that a lot about me because I'm, I'm spontaneous. I'll have a go at anything. But when it comes to like putting something out there or yeah. or starting something, it's like, fuck, if I don't start it perfectly, then it starts a bit tarnished. You're not the only then, one. You're not, you're not think, the only one. Like this is, everyone's got the same issue. Mm. So how do you... I've done it that do many just, times yeah, now yeah, that it's repetition. I actually don't care what anyone else thinks. Yeah. Like, in not in a selfish way, but I actually cool. believe in myself so much mm. now that I don't... And if it doesn't work, do you know what? I bet some aspect of it did, yeah. and I take that and I go again. And you learn It's the only it. way you ever figure anything out is by doing it. Yeah. Nothing's perfect. And it really does come from that insecurity of what are people going to think and yeah. who gives a fuck? Like, exactly. if they don't like it, they don't have to, you know, yeah. and, take and it in. And with you, you need to harness some of that other aspect of your life because there's so much that you don't care about what mm. other people think of you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so much. Yeah. But isn't it funny with certain things yeah. that it, you know, that... It's like your Achilles heel. Yeah. Yeah. And, but so many people say it like, I've got this idea, but it's not ready. I'm like, yeah. oh. how do you, what do you mean it's not ready? Yeah. You know, like, it's never going to be perfectly ready, ready to go bang and boom. Yeah, exactly. So just do it anyway. Yep. Um, <laughs> like, how, like how excited you're getting. <laughs> well, this one, I'm looking forward to the answer. <laughs> what world record do you think that you'd have a genuine shot at? Oh. <laughs> You can't say burpees. No, I was actually looking at like who the most burpees you could do in twelve hours. 
But it's like nearly 6,000. Ridiculous. So you've got to do like nine a minute for 12 hours. And I'm like, oh, I couldn't do that. Um, yeah, so... For everyone listening, Dale is exceptional. <laughs> he even throws in the burpee to chin up to burpee to chin I'm up. Very in the little morning. though, Jack. I'm very compact. <laughs> yeah, yes. right. I don't really have to move far. I'm really on the ground already. Um, yeah, that, that's probably. I actually have looked at that record. There you go. But uh, I, I got very scared when I realised mm. I was so far off. It's it. like the Goggins, buddy. Seventeen thousand. Oh, Goggins. <laughs> All right. Um, um, the most embarrassing memory or something, the most embarrassing thing you did as a teenager or growing up. Oh. <laughs> and you just got to pick one. Oh. I reckon uh, early days when I started drinking, I was at a party and I shat myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was, uh, yeah. I Just out, just too pissed and yeah. you just... Yeah, <laughs> I've never shared that. Oh, outstanding. Oh, yes, great. Okay, and we're going to finish on a nice, Thanks, beautiful sort of... <laughs> that felt a bit young because, saying that. Because you are an incredibly kind person, and I've noticed personally um, you're someone who checks in, who genuinely shows care to, you know, and we've known each other for, you know, six months, 12 months from body fit, but... You know, I've had some pretty average times and you've actually checked in. You genuinely care about the people around you. So I'm sure you've got plenty of these, but can you narrow it down to one? What is the kindest thing you've done for someone? Oh, kindest thing I've done for someone? Um, Most thoughtful. uh, I remember being in, when we were living in London and one of my best mates, Azza, he got... He just got homesick and flew home, and we're still over there living. Um, and another one of my mates, Russ, and we one night we just looked at each other and we knew what a horrible time he was having back home. And we just said, next week, here's your flight. You've got to come back. Um, so we just booked him a flight back, and um, yeah, he he's so grateful for that. Wow. Um, yeah, so I suppose, and that's when I wasn't really the nicest person, <laughs> but. Well, you were 98% of the time. Yeah. The 2% you the had. The 2% was like. a horrible 2%. Mm. But, uh, no, I feel like you don't have to have big acts like that. Sometimes mm. the littlest acts Mean. are the most profound. Yeah. Um, and like what we've been saying with the, like, really nice messages and things yeah. like that about this, Yeah. that's, for me, that's, yeah, for people doing that, that's what literally makes your day, your mm. week. Um, yeah. So I try and do that. I try and do those sort of things for people that I see having a go. Luckily, you know, someone puts themselves out there or whatever. Because yeah. um, a lot of things I've done, people have, you know, got like they would shut you down. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that is, it's really hard. There's but, a million naysayers out there for every one person who's there saying, yeah, yeah. go for it. And, and I'm, yeah, I noticed you go out of your way to, you know, support people who are having a crack. And I'm very similar. It's like you, I love seeing people having a go and because you know how much it means to yourself when someone encourages you you know yeah. as much as we've got these loud crazy personalities <laughs> and everyone probably thinks that we're fucking love and live and we don't care what anyone thinks and we don't care what it's like fucking go i go home and i you know i'm shaking when someone gives me a really good co- or supports me or sends me a beautiful little thoughtful message yeah and that's what i love about you 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 are very th- you make a conscious effort to go out of your way to do that. And I think that's Thanks, something we can all really learn from and improve on. So, Oof, I appreciate that. Thank you. Anyway, I think that's uh, 
That's, that's me done, mate. So You've done a uh, wonderful job there, mate. Um, very impressive, that. Now, for listeners, you're off five weeks in Europe. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Are um, we going to weasel our way on into Do you know what? We, we might, but I'm going to say you just worry ready to join your <laughs> troop, mate. Do you know what I mean? There's enough time to come back the rest of their lives and do podcasts. There's nothing better than summer in Europe. I know it well. Yeah. Um, so for listeners, uh, in yeah maybe six weeks or so, we might have a check-in one, and then we're going to get stuck into some interviews, I think, and yep. hopefully get some pretty cool guests. But, Jack, mate, uh, thank you for those kind words you sent for me. And, uh, yeah, for allowing me – I've done a lot of podcast guests as well too, um, but I think I was able to go a lot deeper than what I have. So, yeah, thanks for that, mate. You did such a good job. Looking forward to uh, getting deeper and deeper, Dale. So thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, done. bring on the next one. Woo!